0: You know, I love that song by the Foo Fighters. It's a reminder that all of us have to take a walk, right? That's what leadership is, self-leadership and leading other people. It's taking a walk around, seeing things that are going well, encouraging people for it, saying thanks. It's also being courageous enough to look at the broken areas of our life and say, hey, this area of my character, It needs some work, it looks like it's come loose up here. Or you know what, I got some walls in my life that my marriage, I've started to let slide. Or maybe a relationship with my son or daughter is starting to drift and I've got to reprioritize that. See, leadership is being willing to take a walk around the walls of your life and affirm what is going well, but also address the areas that need some attention. And that's what Nehemiah does. In fact, in our series, 52 Day Plan, we're calling it that because in Nehemiah chapter six, it says these words, so the wall was finished in 52 days. And it happened that when our enemies heard of this, they were disheartened. I can't believe I got that done. In their own eyes, because they perceived that the work that was done was done by our God. Isn't it true that you can tell when the people, the leaders in your life have an ulterior motive? You can tell when their motivation is to serve you, to do what's best for everyone versus serving themselves. But these last six to nine months have been a challenge at Horizon. And one of the most powerful things has been seeing our volunteer exec board step into the trenches, Shelley, and Brendan and Mike and Keith, and to offer their wisdom and their help as we've navigated the most impossible of circumstances. And I've heard the staff over and over and over again talk about how grateful they've been for the way we made decisions, how quickly we made decisions, how our volunteer team of exec board and elders have listened to feedback. Have been willing to say, wow, we got these impossible issues of keeping everyone safe, and how do we offer people services through online, and how do we reopen? It's been so encouraging when you know that the people coming in to serve you, to serve us as a staff, to serve you as a congregation, they're trying to connect the work we're doing day in and day out to a larger vision. How do we serve people best? How do we love on people best? And how do we fulfill our mission? comfortably connecting people to God through the Bible and a community of growing Christ followers. It's been so awesome to be on the receiving end of great leadership and knowing that that leadership's coming from a place of service. Haven't you had bosses like that? You've had a boss that had their own agenda versus ones who really were trying to do the best for everyone. You could tell. And that's what leadership is. Leadership is being willing to say, hey, we're going to assess where we are, but also where we're going. That's what great leaders, great parents do. Let me tell you where we are. We got some problems. Let me tell you where we're going. We're going to rebuild this wall. And we can do it in record time if we do it together. And if we join God in the fact that he's doing the work. I mean, whether you're not sure about how God relates to us, whether he wound up the universe and and said, hey, good luck, I put some good principles in place, or whether you think God gets involved in human history. Isn't it true that you just get around certain people and you know when they're motivated by some principle, some grander vision, some ambitious humility that draws you to their work? What if you and I had the same thing? We're going to ask two questions today, and those two questions I think will help us avoid some pain, but also move from success to significance. Now, what's the first question? Now, the first question he asked is, what should we be doing that we haven't been doing all along? Right? right, isn't that what good parents and leaders and coaches do? We should have been doing this all along working on the basics if you're playing volleyball. We should have been not neglecting uh, relationship building with our current clients. What should we be doing that we haven't been doing all along? Now this question helps us calibrate our eyes to really engage in the opportunities all around us. What do I mean? Well, it's like, God, help me see the things I should have been doing all along. I've begun to take my spouse for granted. Man, look what I'm doing that I haven't been doing all along. And then suddenly your eyes get open, you see your spouse's need for respect or attention or affection. Your kids, you've just been so busy that you didn't notice your son or daughter really need some comfort. They really need some attention or some encouragement. What should I be doing that I haven't been doing all along? And notice how this happens with Nehemiah and with the king. So Nehemiah's a cupbearer and he's working for King Artaxerxes. Now the wine came before him and he took in the wine. And as he did, the king notices that he's sad. Now he had never been sad in the presence of the king before. And for good reason. It was a capital offense. If you work for the king, your job is to be happy, happy, happy. To be professional. The king's got enough on his mind and not having his cupbearer sadness bringing him down. If you know what I'm saying. But this king... Has a relationship with Nehemiah. He cares about Nehemiah and he notices that he's sad and he asks, What's going on? You're not sick, you seem really down. And suddenly Nehemiah is dreadfully afraid, I'm gonna lose my life for not putting on a happy face, right? He says, Why is your face sad? Since you're not sick and I'm dreadfully afraid. Well, here's what happens next. The king said to me, what do you need? Sounds like you got a problem. We're in a relationship. We're more than just you work for me. You're the Hebrew that drinks and makes sure I'm not dead. We have a friendship. What do you need from me? And suddenly I prayed to the God of heaven. He shot up a quick prayer. God, help me. Help me not die. And maybe this is the opportunity that I've been looking for. What should I be doing that I haven't been doing all along? Using my position to help rebuild your work for the poor and the needy a hundred miles away. So he's got this plan in his heart. He senses this might be the moment. He shoots up a one minute prayer and says, King, here's what I need. And he launches into it. If your servant has found favor in your sight, I love that intro. So humble. I need your help. And if I found favor in your sight, I'd like to go back and rebuild the walls of my hometown, my father's tombs so it pleased the king to send me why would a persian king want to help finance a jewish rebuild of a temple well a little background might be helpful king Xerxes was the father most archaeologists and commentators believe of the king we're talking about king artaxerxes nehemiah is working for artaxerxes but if you jump back in history The Bible and Persian history shows that Xerxes had a wife named Esther. And in the book of Esther, a Hebrew woman named Esther came to be the queen. And so Artaxerxes may very well be her son. And so her mother, who saved her people from genocide, talked about the importance of God and his work and her hometown. You know what that means? That means that prior to Nehemiah being in this moment and shooting up this prayer, God had already been at work. God had prepared 50 years in advance through Esther and Xerxes, the heart of this leader through the relationship of Nehemiah to be ready to be part of this new work. And what happens? He says, "Well, here's what I need. <laughs> if it pleases the king, I need some letters to cross the river. I gotta get safety. We gotta travel an awful long place. I need letters from uh, for the timber." I need some timber and supplies to rebuild this thing. He had already worked this thing out in his head and he launches into his elevator speech. This is my moment with the king. He asked, I prayed, boom, here's what I need. Because here's where Susa is. And he's got to make it from Susa all the way over to Israel, to Judah, crossing over the river. He also needs timber, he needs gold, he needs supplies. And you know, King Artaxerxes provides it all. Here he is in Susa. It's a model of what that kingdom looked like he served in. And now he's traveling from Susa with these letters. This is what a Persian decree would look like. I mean, these were the royal documents. The king is financing this work and these travels. Don't mess with this caravan. The king is here. See, God presents himself as a king and says, when you begin to be about the king's work, not just your own kingdom's work, building my kingdom, not just your own castle, I will help you. And I will help your life be part of a grander vision. And again, Persian gold is supplying the money needed to rebuild a Hebrew temple. Now, how about for you? What are the things that you can look back on and say, what should I be doing that I haven't been doing all along? Maybe you made a move in your career. Or even a location change. And you said to yourself, why didn't I do this years ago? Maybe you spent the time finally putting that babysitter in place so that every Friday night you can go on a date with your wife. Or you finally prioritized your schedule to make sure you and your spouse got away once a year for a seven-day vacation with just the two of you. Maybe you finally got serious about your health. Playing some tennis or bicycling or 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 making yourself healthy and you say you know i should have been doing this all along it's no wonder i got to the place that i i i wasn't feeling as healthy because of those habits you begin to calibrate yourself now and say if i've learned some of those lessons in the past how do i learn those moving forward maybe you feel like god's prompting you to be part of something bigger something grander than what you're currently doing you just start to shoot up those one-sentence prayers god help me find a burden And when those opportunities present themselves, God, help me to say this right. Grant me favor in the eyes and ears of those who have the influence and position to get me from where I am to where I need to go. I remember several years ago, I felt really compelled to write a book. I'd never written a book before, didn't have any access to any publishers or anything. But i just felt like this one book godonomics that i pitched a random house that's now owned by penguin uh, and also another series we did at church called fast track bible i was pitching to a company down in nashville and i remember preparing my elevator pitch for both these different products totally different concept totally different content and i remember going into the room for the publisher going into the room with the team that was going to prove it and i remember praying this prayer in nehemiah i felt like god was saying that's the prayer to pray god Grant me favor in the eyes and ears of those I'm about to present. And I prayed that prayer and I've had doors shut at times. But boy, in those two moments 10 years ago, I felt like God was saying, pray that prayer. As I walked before that publisher, when I gave my pitch before that publishing board, God opened those doors as I was prepared and saying, God, the results are up to you. I can't make a book sell. I can't make a DVD series work. I can just be faithful that I feel like you've told me to engage in this project. Many of you have been part of our our men's uh, gatherings on Sunday nights and Mondays with Ken Kington. In fact, if you haven't been, we invite you to be part of it. But Ken was talking about how to restore your marriage and how to build in those kind of relationship uh, growth strategies that we all need. But He told me a powerful story about a guy who's a real estate investor who's been coming to his group. And he's been doing fine, very, thank you very much, in almost every area of his company. Well, about a few months ago, he said, hey, Ken, I gotta tell you something. Hey, what's going on? Man, I just bought a brand new motor for the boat and I can't be more excited. And Ken's thinking, he's talking about a speed boat, maybe a backup for a sailboat, something he personally owns. He's like, well, tell me more about your boat. He's imagining him wakeboarding or, or skiing. He's like, no, 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 it's not that kind of boat. So how much was the engine? The guy said, oh, the engine was uh, $2 million. For the engine? Yeah. What kind of engine is this? He said, well, several years ago, I was doing very well with real estate, but I felt like God wanted me me to be part of something bigger. So I found a, a nonprofit that travels around the world in a boat and it brings hope and medicine and literature about God and faith to cities and countries that could no longer access that kind of healthcare or access that kind of education. But you know, about six or seven months ago, the engine on that thing broke. And so it has been so exciting. I've been praying and working and networking to find a a motor so we can continue to offer those services all around the world. And Ken said he was getting excited about this motorboat. He was getting excited that this guy, who's a real estate developer doing fine, had found even a grander vision to move from success to significance. That God was calling him to take his skills in networking and business and use it to help people around the world with a greater need. He was taking a walk. Outside of his walls of real estate, might there be other areas in the world that God wants me to be part of? Now that leads us to our second question. What have you been doing that's led to your undoing, right? Isn't it true that sometimes we get in trouble because we haven't been doing good things? Other times, it's some things that we have been doing, some bad habits that have led to our undoing. And there've been some bad habits that have led to the walls being in this case. I mean, they were destroyed 100 years ago by the Babylonians, that was no one's fault. But they've been left in neglect for over 70 years. So Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and he takes a walk. He begins to assess the size of the challenge. Right, long before you jump into something, you start asking questions. Right? That's what the real estate agent that Ken told me about did. Ask some questions. How can I be part of this? What's going on here? It's the kind of thing we do. We begin to assess the size of the challenge. We begin to poke around and ask questions. What's going on and, and what's led to this? How did we get here? Well, Nehemiah arrives and takes a walk. I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and I gave them the king's letters. The king sent captains of the army with me. He's got guards now to travel along the way. He's got his protection. He's on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, archaeologists have found some paintings of what captains look like of the Persian army. So here is, imagine Nehemiah walking his way to Judah with armed captains of the Persian guard. And they finally come to the broken down walls of Jerusalem. He's been praying about this. He's been planning for this, but now he's arrived. So I came to Jerusalem and I was there for many days. And I rose in that night and a few men came with me. And I told no one, shh, told no one what God had put in my heart. I didn't bring the animals with me except the one which I rode on. He's riding by himself, at night, not telling anyone as he's looking at the condition of the walls. So he goes to the valley gate and to the serpent wall and he viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates had been burned by fire. What's he doing? The lonely walk of leadership. He's on his donkey. He's just kind of checking out. Oh wow, that's worse than I thought. Oh, that's better than I thought. (sighs) How many men are we going to need? How do we protect that thing? Huh. How long is this going to take? What do I need? He just begins to assess the size of the challenge by taking a walk. Sometimes that's what we all need to do. Let's take a walk around the workplace. Let's take a walk around our marriage. Let's take a walk around our city. What are the needs where might people need to be served and see if God might prompt us in the midst of asking those questions how we can serve others. Now these gates are about 1000 BC. I got a chance to visit these gates. These are not Persian gates, but these are gates built by King Saul in the land of Judah. So I imagine it's something like this, this is Shaharim, but something like this is the experience that Nehemiah had as he traveled around the gates that night praying and asking God how can and should I be part of this so I went up at night to the valley and I viewed the wall and I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned and the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done shh not gonna make a big deal just taking a walk just assessing the challenge before me that's what he's doing and I said hey have you guys ever seen the distress that we're in how did we get here? What have we been doing that's led to our undoing? Do you not realize that this wall's in distress? Does nobody realize that we need to fix that thing? He's asking the people who live there, the leaders that are there. They lie in waste. The gates are burned with fire. So come on. Let's, uh, let's go build a wall of Jerusalem. Let's start doing the things that we need to do and stop doing the things that have led to our undoing. And I told them of the hand of God that which had been upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. And they said, all right, let's rise up and build the wall. But before he goes public, he assessed and he prayed. And then when the time came, he challenged leaders. You're going to see him continually challenge leaders. He's going to say to people around him, hey guys, why aren't you doing the things you need to do? Why have we become so complacent? Why have we become so negligent? It's time to be part of something bigger. It's time to serve greater people. Imagine generations that are going to be impacted by the work we do. And he's going to accomplish in 52 days what they hadn't done in over 70. Isn't that powerful? So what have I been doing that's led to my undoing? Now, there may be a whole list of things. But typically, we don't take the time to take a walk along the wall to ask that question. What have I been doing that's led to my undoing? I talked to a friend at Horizon uh, this last week who's been making some incredible progress in his spiritual life. Some incredible ability to show empathy, to engage in his marriage and his family. He was sharing with me all the ways God has helped him make progress, but it required him to say, look at the things I was doing that led to my undoing. The way I prioritize things, the way I engaged in certain secrets the way I engage in certain behaviors as he was just sharing a lot of the ways in which he decided to take a look at how he had caused the breakdown in many of his walls he said God has not only been restoring me but he's asking me to be part of restoring others he told me he was working with a nonprofit who'd been part of kind of his rebuilding of the walls and how powerful this ministry had been for him and, and his spiritual journey And he began to ask questions about that ministry. This is so good for me, maybe it'd be good for others. He found out that this particular ministry was doing great work, but they were really deep, deep, deep in debt. So he began to ask more questions and dig into the finances. He started to brainstorm, he's a business guy. He said, tell you what, what if you talk to your debtors and you could get 50 cents on the dollar? If they don't have any hope of getting that money soon, If we could raise the money to pay off half it, would they forgive the other half? Oh, I don't think they'd go for that. Let's pray about it. Let's think about it. So they prayed about it. They pitched it. They put a timeline on the deal. And sure enough, about two or three days later, the debtors came back and said, or the bank came back rather and said, uh, we'll go for it. If you can get us the money in the next, whatever it was, 30 days, you get us half, we'll forgive the rest. That's exactly what happened. He said, I was so excited what God had done in my life. And then I could help the people who had done some of the work in my life. And some of my business skills, some of my negotiating skills, some of my creative thinking could help set a nonprofit up to take a huge load of debt off them to help set them up for success. Isn't that powerful? What are some things that you've been doing in your life that have led to your undoing? And what are some things that may be going on in the areas of our city that you might want to investigate or ask questions of so that you can help other people, other nonprofits, other people who have made mistakes, other people who've got on the wrong path, other people who are needing food, other people who've been affected by the crisis, maybe in a deeper financial way than you have. How could you help them and see how God might be working around us? In fact, part of what we're doing in this series is challenging all of us to take what we're calling the 52-Day Challenge. Now, if you'd like to get a copy of this, you can go to our website, horizoncc.com backslash challenge and download the PDF. Or you can pick one up at the church if you come in on the weekends. But this is really a, a track to run on. This is just simple little daily exercises to help you begin to go on this journey of assessing and walking the walls in your life. Now, if you didn't pick this up last week, they do build on each other, but they also stand alone. Each week, there's one thing to do each day. So if you didn't get to the first week, don't worry about it. Just start today. Some are very easy. Like, for example, Sunday, October 11th. Watch the Sunday message online entitled Walking the Walls. Check. You're done for the day. But then each day, Monday, Tuesday, little things you can do to begin to say, how do I walk the walls in my life? and see what God might want me to do. Read Nehemiah chapter two, I gave you an overview. What stuck out to you in this chapter? Explore the characters that are gonna come out in these chapters that begin to try and discourage the work that's being done. And then we're gonna talk about digging deeper. What are some ways to dig deeper if you wanna start asking God and yourself some questions about your own journey of faith, exploring a grander vision. However, one of the things we're doing as a church, you'll notice as you look down here, is day 14, next Saturday. Consider picking up a blue bag and filling it with food for someone in need. Or you can visit www.horizoncc.com IPM. So one of the things we do as a church is that we try and assess the needs in our community. So we work with several organizations, back-to-back, internationally. Happy Church, uh, about one state away, about 45-minute drive. And here in town, we work with City Gospel Mission and Interparish parish Ministries. And part of what we've done as a church is say, how can we be about helping connect with God, but also helping the needs in our community? So maybe as you're looking for what's the specific grander vision God has for you, maybe along the way you're like, I'm not sure what the big thing is, but I'd love to start somewhere. Well, walk the walls with us. We as a leadership team have walked the walls for years. And we have partnered with groups that we feel like are making a difference in our city and in our world. So maybe it's just fill up a blue bag. We can drop it off. Or if you're not ready for that, because you want not come to the building yet, call us at the office or visit that website, the IPM backslash, and someone will help do the shopping for you and get involved in that process so you can be part of it without having to necessarily come out of a place that you feel safe. But it's during this time Where people are in need, let's find ways to bring food and resources to those in our community. We as a church are about comfortably connecting people to God, right? We got online services, we got services on the weekend, we've reopened our our men's program, we have women's Bible studies, our student ministry just opened. These are things going on right now as we're trying to assess our walls. But we also know what it's really about is helping you connect with God. And that's why we developed this tool the 52-day challenge. We want to help you in your journey. That's what our last 20 years has been about, especially what the last nine months is about. We want to create ways that you can connect with God during this time. Because I want a life that's more than just fine. Right? How you doing? Fine. Fine. Don't you want more than fine? God called Nehemiah from a fine, thank you very much life to a life Of significance. So I want to pray that God will help you. Use our 52 day plan uh, tool to challenge as part of that journey, reading the book of Nehemiah with us, if that's part of your journey, but to begin to find a greater sense of how we can serve others the way God served us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that your son came from heaven to earth to assess the need we had, and it was bad, and to pay the ultimate cost his life so that we would learn how to serve others the way you served us. Father, give each person here today, use this tool in their life to give them a grander vision to live a life that's more than just fine. In Jesus' name, amen.